Hello. Developed economies are recovering from COVID, but there are, of course, regions that are doing far worse. We're all very concerned about the desperate situation in India at the moment. Nevertheless, markets are looking much more positive on the whole. Treasury yields have calmed and in April, the VIX or fear gauge dropped to its lowest since the pandemic began. I'm Richard Edgar, and earlier today I caught up with Fidelity's Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey, and I started by asking him, given the complexity of the economic backdrop, is what we're seeing in markets healthy or misplaced optimism? Well, I think that uh, it's been quite right that we've had this optimism flow through market because of the uh, level of you know, just the, the bounce back that we've seen in economic um, activity, uh, the amount of stimulus that we've seen support uh, the economies to generate uh, that to, to date. And I think also that the point that you just highlighted is that the calming down in the treasury market is important um, because, you know, we were getting into a uh, sort of, you know, fear factor stage that was starting to drive, uh, you know, a number of different sort of feedback uh, loops that could have been more dangerous. Now, I think the challenge is that, are we getting close to some of the the best from that? You know, in terms of two things: one, the amount of the uh, the bounce back and the follow through into this sort of mini boom, and secondly, the way in which the markets are discounting that. And I think that uh, you know we are seeing signs where we've had you know, significant rotation, we've had significant level of expectation of how this uh, mini boom will feed through into uh, to earnings and into um, the activity to follow. And some of that, I think that, um, you know, there's still some question marks about how much is delivered against that level of, of expectation. But you've twice then referred to mini boom. So suggesting that you think it's limited, that this is a spike up and at some stage it's going to be a tumble down. Uh, so I call it sort of the mini boom because uh, the reality is that we've still got a lot more to flow through from the stimulus. And so in reality, you might actually see at an economic level a very big boom. But from a market point of view, I think that you've already seen a lot of that uh, boom being discounted. So not much room for upside and perhaps the only way from here is, is down? <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for you to sing that. But um, uh, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's most probably that uh, one where um, I think that it is starting to get into more challenging territory. But again, some of that is reflected into what we see as that rotation. I think we've seen significant move in terms of uh, you know, markets when we look at commodities, when we look at you know, the growth versus value. I think the fact that that's actually shown signs of continuing to build strength in terms of that repositioning, um, that there's already been a lot below the surface that's saying that the discounting mechanism has uh, moved a long way. The, the part that, funnily enough, that uh, looking at and that I don't think has gone away is the credibility of policy. And I thought um, that the Yellen comments that highlighted very much a just a sensible remark about that, uh, well, rates have to go up if uh, there's really a very strong economy, that to come in and take those back so quickly and, and because you saw a market reaction, so still that sensitivity, was an interesting insight that if we see the Treasury market start to um, question the Fed's position in the policy uh, as we look ahead, there could be this time much more disruption flows through the markets than we saw previously. It could cause some very modest increases in interest rates to get that reallocation. But um, these are investments our economy needs to be competitive and to be productive. 
So that was Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, who was speaking about half a day before we were recording this. Let, let's talk then about the, the, the core allocation, the Fidelity's core allocation, which is the aggregate starting point for asset allocation decisions that Fidelity takes across the asset classes. The sensitivity in markets, um, you know, they, they, they seem a little bit fragile. So how, how have you reacted in the way that you're, you're positioning? Well, I think that it's important to look at you know, where we're coming from. That um, you know, still very much with a constructive view, with a, a risk-on type uh, exposure. So, uh, having a positive equities uh, view, positive uh, allocation profile relative to a sort of you know that um, more strategic and benchmark um, position. Credit, an important part where we've had you know significant overweight exposure through the course of the last uh, year. That most probably now looking to have that as more neutral. And so uh, the balance of where we're having um, uh, exposure and a bias towards uh, certain parts of of the sort of high yield um, environment and where we've been very positive on uh, Asia as an example, that being balanced out overall across a global um, picture that uh, to bring it to a more neutral um, perspective. We still think, as I just touched on, that um, it's hard to see that yields are going to drop very far from here. Um, so we still look that overall duration should be negative. You know, that's incremental. It could be um, you know, much more significant as we um, uh, see the markets develop. But then the other part where really we're reflecting um, you know, in a very tentative way so far, but possibly to increase more, is just taking cash to a more neutral position. And, and that's probably the most eye-catching change, I think, from, from last month, isn't it? That move from underweight to neutral on cash. Uh, yes, it's um, uh, again in the scheme of things, it's still only a, a small step, but it is something that I think reflects that view that you know just that little bit more caution as we've seen discounting in markets, the, the valuation profiles that we see that we feel stretched, and also some of the dynamics in terms of the uh, both the technicals and the fundamentals um, uh, that seeing you know very much stretched markets and sentiment very stretched, but also seeing um, you know indicates up to very high levels, and and the reality is that. That, you know the highs in markets are not made on bad news they're made on lots of good news and then that's starting to uh, uh, to be challenged President Biden about to sign into law the COVID relief bill known as the American Rescue Plan, the sweeping $1.9 trillion package that will include past cash payouts uh, to many Americans. Let's take you right now to the Oval Office. Republican friends. The U.S. outlook does still look um, pretty strong because of that, that enormous fiscal program that President Biden has, uh, has unveiled. But on the other side, uh, the flip side to that is a growing deficit, which seems likely to contribute to a weaker dollar. Now, that's usually good for emerging markets, but how much will they benefit from that in the face of the COVID um, challenges, which are sweeping so many countries? Yes, I think it's a much more complex picture as a, as a consequence. The dollar and, and the flow out of that dollar liquidity you know, we've spoken about many times in the past as being a constructive uh, element. But I think there's a couple of things. Again, this goes back to being slightly more selective and, and why, as an example, we're more constructive on uh, sort of Japan equities and the, the pro-sicality, uh, the global trade um, profile for, for those. But maybe a little bit more um, neutral now on the broader EM uh, equities suite because you are seeing some of these countries being impacted more by domestic concerns. Now, part of that is linked to what we're seeing in the um, uh, outbreak still of, uh, of COVID and the challenges there. 
Part of it as well is the degree to which um, uh, you've seen not naturally getting uh, the benefits from some of the, the trade pickup compared to others. And so not having that level of uh, same um, pro-cyclicality that we've seen. But it is, I think, you know, one where it's a more nuanced position, you know, almost country by country. You mentioned being more positive on uh, Japanese equities. Can you explain a little bit more about uh, the reasons behind that? You, you definitely seem to be building some conviction there. Japan you know, is suffering still from many years of, of being the forgotten country because of you know, the many years of deflation, of the many years of domestic intervention in policy terms not being seen to, uh, to have maybe the, the same impact in terms of generating growth and pickup in, and signs of uh, inflation. What I think has been really interesting is that in the background or through this is that you know, ever since Premier Abe, there really was a change in the dynamics. But most importantly, you've seen also that the earnings profile has continued to uh, improve substantially. You've seen also the level of innovation in Japan started to really um, uh, develop and, and sort of happen below the surface um, in many ways. Um, and you've seen many of the sort of criteria for Japan being you know, lots of the value orientated um, uh, sort of side of the, the trade equation um, from a market sense, you know, also improve. So I think you've got a number of things that have actually aligned very visibly. Economic, globally trade, you know, pro-cyclical, as I said, that's um, very positive. Seeing this continuation of significant you know, fiscal intervention and monetary support. But you also get in as well that the dynamics of that really flowing through into earnings and, um, you know, and as I said, a focus from market participants of that growth versus value perspective that also is a, a positive um, element for Japan as well. Well, let's hope it stays that way. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. My pleasure. Good to see you, Richard. That was Andrew McCaffrey, Global CIO of Fidelity International. And you can read more on these and other investment topics at fidelityinternational.com. The producer today was Seb Morton-Clark with production support from Alex Wilcox. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.